Vision Christian Radio bumper stickers are a practical way to show the world how much you love vision. New stickers are available now. Choose the I Love Vision sticker or your local frequency and proudly display your affiliation with Australia's national Christian radio network. It's more than just a sticker, it's a statement and might help someone you'll never meet discover vision and start looking to God daily. Whether you're parked or cruising through town, Vision Bumper Stickers will turn heads and spark conversations. Stick it, show it, and let everyone know you're tuned to Vision. Available now at vision.org.au slash stickers. Order your Vision Bumper Sticker today. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I got introduced to someone and then I was talking to them and then I could see like a pastor bringing someone else over to sub someone else in (laughs) to work on this new guy. And that guy, he invited me to his house that Wednesday night to what I found out later was a life group. And and I went to that life group and I remember it was the Monday after that Sunday and I'm, I'm driving into Mary Street Nightclub thinking... What does this mean for my life? Oh, right, Did I yeah. really make a decision? The story. the story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and welcome to The Story. Today, we have one about a guy who, at first glance, seems highly unlikely to convert to Christ. Jake Smith was a nightclub owner who was very much attracted to the party lifestyle. At one point, he even thought working at a nightclub was the equivalent of dying and going to heaven. However, as you hear his story, you'll see that there were cracks in his facade right from the very beginning, and something was definitely missing in his life. Jake is sharing his story with Karen Hunt, and his friend Greg Newman also gets in on the conversation. Did you grow up in Queensland? Where were you from? What was family life like as sure. a young So I grew up with a single mum. Mm-hmm. I never met my dad. Um, all I know that my dad ever said to me was I was 10 days old and he looked into my cot and said, I'm not cut out to be a dad. Mm. That's my quote from my yeah. father. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just grew up with my mum who just did her very, very best. But we did move around a lot, uh, a lot of time on the mid-north coast in various towns uh, of New South Wales, mm-hmm. um, spent a lot of time in Adelaide, did a lot of my primary school in Adelaide. A lot of my high school, mid-north coast of New South Wales again, and then up to Brisbane since, well, what century are we in? 1989. <laughs> <laughs> so people listening in the Adelaide area, who do you need to say hi to right now? Oh, wow. Big shout out to, if it's still there, um, <laughs> what was South Roads School. Okay. Yes, there we go. Uh, what was it? Yellow and red. I remember the jumper well. Early stomping grounds, hey? <laughs> yeah, St. Mary's did a bit up in the Adelaide Hills, Blackwood, mm-hmm. Belair, moved around there every year. Different so did school. you have siblings with you? No, no. I have a, a sister mum. now. Okay. Um, uh, she was born when I was just about to turn 15. Okay. So what would be your favouritest memory as a kid? As a kid? Hmm. Oh, wow. Probably when we moved up, uh, I moved up to Port Macquarie. We came up for a holiday and um, I, I just, I didn't want to go home. So I, I moved in with my grandparents up in Port Macquarie. Okay, yep. Can't remember which year that was, somewhere early 80s, I'd uh-huh. imagine. Or, and um, my life there, I, I just loved it. Loved okay. it. It was sort of a bit of a, a clear space for me. Didn't have a lot of the issues that... I did living with my mum and moving around all the time. There was some stability and uh, the love of a grandparent, hey, oh, you just bet. incredible. And, and the family legacy, the, mm. the heritage that can be put into your heart, into your mind. What would be maybe the biggest life lesson that you learnt from grandma, grandpa? Well, um, 
it's probably now as I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably new dad. I've got a three and a four year old, oh, and um, and it's given me a whole other facet mm-hmm. of, of of a lens to look down at my two little daughters. Mm-hmm. Just that, um, I guess, that unfailing nature of the love of our God, uh, the reliability, and uh, Grandpa and Nana they never judge me; they just always accepted me. And so they're both still around. They're a part of your world now as a dad. Uh, they they were. They both passed away recently in the last mm-hmm. couple of years, so we lost them. And and um, uh, but I'll never forget what they did for me. Yeah. My grandpa leaned down, and he knew life wasn't too great for me at the time. And we were just about to go back to Adelaide, and he whispered in my ear. He said, "Do you want to stay with us?" Oh, did he? Yeah, so that was pretty special. How nice. So, yeah. how long did you live with them? Um, for about a year, and then Mum moved up. Back up to Port Macquarie and did yeah. a few years in Port Macquarie with okay. her, yeah. She got a new boyfriend who relocated to Brisbane, so I moved up to Brisbane in what was grade 10 for me, yeah. up to um, up to Cooparoo. Okay, south side of Brizzy, hey? Hell yeah. And what kind of a teenage boy were you in that part of your life? Um, I'd suggest I was of the horrible variety. Oh, one yeah. of those. <laughs> what does that look like? Ah, <laughs> uh, Wow. I didn't uh, feel like I had any real investment or responsibility in the family, and I'd do whatever I like. It was really, oh my gosh, a cringe really? just thinking about the type of person that I was. Capital R for rebellious? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In school, out of school, at home. So just out really. of school, when mm-hmm. you left school, what did you get into? What was your thing at that time? Uh, great. Got into... Um, Got into engineering and business, a uh, mm-hmm. double degree at QUT. So you did well at school, obviously. Yeah, I Good. somehow managed to, to, to pass those tests. <laughs> well done. <laughs> got a tier school, got me into university so that I continue my legacy of your responsibility there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, so you finished your degree? No. No? No, no. You're working on it or you've taken a whole tangent now? Yeah, yeah. So I was at university. Which is okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> university, but uh, I found the nightclubs to be a lot more enticing. Right. Uh-huh. So I was, at, I was at a nightclub more of the time than I was at university uh, every night, and that's actually how I got into that industry. They were short on staff one night, and uh, who was the obvious invitation going so out to? You just happened to be there, right? Yeah, it just happened. So what yeah. was your first step in the door work-wise? Uh, they needed help, so they bumped everyone up and they got me to, to help out picking up all the glasses, the old classic uh, entry-level nightclub job. I was going to say glasses, Glassy. chairs. Yeah, moving all the stools around, Whoa. cleaning up, all the things you clean up okay. in the nightclub world. Yeah. Okay. What impressed you at that time? I mean, did you wish to pursue a long-time career goal in that scene or what was happening in your mind and in your heart at that time? Well, I worshipped that scene. Mm-hmm. I loved it. You know, yeah. um, uh, everyone who worked there, that was like, that was like, how on earth did you get the opportunity to work here? You're so special. Yeah, oh, look at you. You're behind the bar. You're amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so to be invited into that, I felt, I felt so really just privileged and, mm-hmm. and I guess it was, there's like a pecking order. There was the, the regulars and we all knew each other and, and then they all came in and I, I was collecting the glasses. Okay. <laughs> well done. I'd, I'd made it, Karen. That's you. what I'm trying to say. And self-confidence obviously would, you know, pump your chest up oh, and yeah. give your head a big boost and you were somebody. I was eh? in. I was in. So the next week, one of the um, one of the managers, I was in a conglomerate of nightclubs. There was uh, three at the time. So one of the, the managers for one of the other clubs saw me serving and um, – serving, <laughs> that's it. 
it's a church term. Yeah. Or was I doing working? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, he, uh, he grabbed me for, uh, for his nightclub to do like a, a key customer service role. It was called a, a pool captain where okay. I'd look after the pool tables, whack a triangle on my head, be a bit of a clown. But he must have seen something in me that, that there. So within a week I was, I was doing that and that was, um, that was quite a prestigious and really fun role. Basically it didn't involve very much work. At all. Did that come easy for you then, hey? Yeah, yeah. That Sounds was... like my friend on this side is being very quiet. No, I'm just I think there's three kitchens missing. Uh, your personality too, hey? I'm having a little uh, bacon <laughs> and egg burger on the side. Let me take a bite as you Yeah, you, you have a mm. – uh, oh, so now I've got to ask some questions. Mm. You mentioned to me uh, death situations, that you were sort of lucky to be alive. I don't know how much mm. you can sort of uh, – yeah. Expand upon that. Yeah, not too many details, but yeah. certainly, um, uh, you know, one I'll probably can elaborate on. I was, I was um, walking my girlfriend up to get a taxi, and um, there was just some hoons going around, and one just jumped out of the car and sprinted at me. And um, is that because I had no idea what to do? Is that because he knew you at the club? Uh, is that related to the club, or I still don't know? Other than the fact that I can attest to the fact that I was quite a jerk. Okay. <laughs> at the time, so I, I certainly would have ticked a lot of people off in my time. But mm. I don't know if it was just random. Uh, the pol- he was known to the police. Anyway, yeah. just come out, came running at me, jumped up. Like, I'm, I'm standing there going, what's happening right now? I remember it. It was slow motion. You know, have mm. slow motion moments in your life. And he's running, and there's a park bench between us. And I think, well, what's going to happen here? He's, is he going to – even if he – he can't bowl me over. Yeah. But he actually did. He sort of launched up and with one jump oh, wow. placed his other foot on the back of this park bench and leapt at me from there. And he hit me with both his feet. I was straight on the ground. And then, uh, yeah, he was just kicking in my head. So you hear uh, stories on the news from time to time of people that, that are just, um, you know, attacked in the mall, attacked in the streets. And, mm. and uh, yeah, that was me. I was like a rag doll and my girlfriend was trying to get him off and he just kept laying into me. So go to the hospital, I just remember crying like a baby there, thinking life wasn't fair and wondering why that happened to me. That's and this is when uh, the, the time when you were the manager of the club, so you were in that particular role? Or At was that this... time, I owned it. You owned it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We, I had business partners, but we owned it. So you, te- so you tend to think that maybe there was some animosity. An, an, what's that word? An, animosity? Mm-hmm. Animos- you got it. <laughs> there was um, a cocktail, a mm-hmm. recipe, in, if you will, of opportunities uh, yeah. to not like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but even probably leaving the club, I suppose most of the time you would have been leaving three, four, five in the morning or something. It's not a very mm, six, seven, eight, six, seven, eight a.m. Yeah, a.m. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We 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 were open about twenty four hours a week. Yeah. So Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night for eight hours a night. Um, the rest of my week, I'd come in during the day and organise promotions, book the bands, mm. um, organise competitions, work with, you know. Uh, liquor or alcohol distribution companies and get all promotions happening and whatnot, try to make some noise to attract people into that world. Yeah. So during that particular time, and and this is still a few years before you became a Christian, was there ever you sort of looked around and thought, oh, man, this is just, this is sad. Here's people just getting drunk off their faces. Here's girls just turning up and, you know, parading themselves. Was there ever a sense of sadness or were you just caught up in it, happy and great, got lots of customers wow. through the door tonight? What, All what, the time. All the time. From the, Even before I got the job there, when I look back now retrospectively, I, I always sadness because I, yeah. I thought, like we, we touched on before, I was – I loved having that job. I thought I thought I was in there and that was like the goal. Mm. But – um. You know, like like so many Christians will attest that that 
when you actually get that thing that you sought, it's not as shiny as it was, and it was a, like an oasis. I remember the first night, um, the first weekend that we bought it, we were we had all the cash because it was a, a cash business, and we had all the cash sitting on a table after the first weekend of takings, and it was seventy thousand dollars cash all just sitting on a on a table. Wow! And, and there were four of us that had bought it together. I'd arrange, you know, we become a company and, and bought this nightclub and there we were and, and um, you know we were university students and one of them was one of the other managers there at the time and we're looking down at $70,000 cash from 24 wow. hours work and uh, trying to sort of comprehend that mm. and so that that was a real moment in my life of okay you've got you've got all that you were chasing not, not right now mm. but but that's what your life looks like now yeah um, so so pictures of cars <laughs> pictures of relationships, um, pictures of places where I'd live, places I'd holiday, pictures of uh, the types of venues that we could own, uh, pictures of investment properties that we could have, doors that I could never see opening to me three days earlier were all now in my imagination becoming realities. And the word you just mentioned and then looked over, things. Mm. You know, pictures of yeah. things yeah, and so the true. best things in life aren't necessarily things. No. I'm sure you've come to find out. Yeah, since. yeah. And that's that journey. That sadness was always there. Mm. I didn't recognize that at the time. Okay. I would have said it was ambition. I might have said it was drive. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have even said that it was to do with my character, that I'm really good at things. You know, I'll succeed. <laughs> but uh, what I was really doing, and subsequent to my salvation, I look back on that journey and this is what I recognize about my life. I was a slave to the approval of the people in the room. A hundred percent. And that, when I got that revelation of what my life was like, that's how I interpret that sadness. Through that lens, I can go, oh my gosh, you were sad all the time. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt and Greg Newman are chatting with former nightclub owner Jake Smith about his life journey. And it's becoming increasingly clear as we're hearing his story that being a nightclub owner wasn't bringing him the fulfilment that he thought it would. Next, we'll find out the remarkable way that the void in his life was eventually filled. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt and Greg Newman are chatting with Jake Smith, who, at first glance, seems like a highly unlikely convert to faith in Christ. In his university years, he fell in love with the nightclub scene and believed owning a nightclub was the path to a good life. But as time went on, he discovered that that was not the case and there was something missing in his life. What happened, Jake, to change that situation right so this is 2002 Mm -hmm. that's where we're in uh that's where my decision was was beginning to happen um i remembered back to some words back in high school in 1991 that a friend of mine who was the school captain said to me he was a christian 
Everyone knew that. Uh, we were in a state school. He said to me, I need to get serious about my Christianity. So he said, I need to get serious about my Christianity. He was not outreaching to me. He wasn't deliberately evangelizing me. He would have, I would submit, have no idea that he said those words to me. And yet, oddly enough, they were the words that were challenging me mm. 11 odd years later. And you remember them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I thought, well, there must be something in, in that, that that friend of mine that, that I did respect, that I didn't think was a fruit loop, um, didn't have that much to do with him, but those, those words really resonated with me. And, and then I, I can't remember how I heard it, but I knew that he was in Bible college. And I thought he might, this is just crazy. I thought he might be graduating soon and maybe he goes to that Bible college at that place where there's a church where I did a cross country uh-huh. in high school. True story. It's just crazy. Ding, ding, so, ding, ding. so I go along to this church yeah. on this massive campus mm-hmm. where I, I only knew about it because I'd done cross country running there mm-hmm. 12 years earlier having no idea that he actually went there, nor that he went to the college there, nor that he was actually graduating um, or that it was the season for graduation, I walk into that church on that Sunday and in they walk in their graduation robes with with their little graduation square yeah. hats on their mortarboards on. And I thought, you're kidding me. Uh-huh. I've actually walked in at the service where he graduates. Wow. And I sat there, went there, kept going there for about six weeks with my arms folded at the back. <laughs> <laughs> then my, my real internal sort of couldn't help myself decision happened about six weeks later. Did you freely go by yourself? Absolutely. Or did you drag someone else? No, no you went just on by your myself. own. Yep. You sat there in the back row. Of- yeah, yeah, about three from the back. Okay. That's too that's, obvious, that's right. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's safe. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just, uh, the guy was preaching. Um, uh, Pastor, I just love acknowledging him because that's such an important time in my life. His name's Pastor Tim McDonald. And he was preaching and, um, and I just remember, you know, I'm in my own little world thinking in my own little head, you know, but the thought was there at the end of this service, you're going to respond. You're going to go up the front. And it, to me, that sounded like me thinking. And I began to argue ferociously against that thought. But sure enough, at the end of that message, up I get me and a five year old girl. Oh. <laughs> Walked to the front, still remember it, wow. and um, and yeah, gave my heart to the Lord. That's a brave move. Yeah, well, it's not a small place. And I did not want to do it. I you assure you, uh-huh. but I couldn't help it. Can I just tell you though? Sorry, my memory bank's going back. My hubby mm-hmm. was in a very similar situation oh, really? as you in that very same church. Really, I'm talking 1985. Wow, and he turned up, and he was there. For the first time at this time, and he and his other friend he went with, who now happens to be a senior pastor, uh, <laughs> they both went down and answered the call in that same building, wow. in that same church, and they got baptized together in that same baptismal font wow. right awesome. there. Awesome. So there's a connection, hey? Wow, look at that. Hmm. That's part of my job now, that baptism font. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so, so you walk down, you're with the five-year-old girl. She herself gives her heart to yep. the Lord. You give your heart to the Lord. What was next? Were you instantly... Was it all roses from then or was there sort of... Of course it was. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was right. it two weeks later? What have I done? Yeah, right. Did you drop out of church for a little while? Did you just kept going and sort of kept, uh, you know, it was all good from there on? Yeah, so uh, as a, 
This is fun, actually. I, I, I got introduced to someone, and then uh, I, I was talking to them, and then I could see like a pastor bringing someone else over to sub someone else in <laughs> to work on this new guy. And um, that guy, he invited me to his house that Wednesday night to what, what I found out later was a life group. And, and I went to that life group, and I remember it was the Monday after that Sunday, and I, I, I'm driving into Mary Street Nightclub thinking – what does this mean for my life? Oh, right, did I yeah. really make a decision? I, I know I did. Oh, did wow. I? And um, I go up to do some promotional work and I'm just, it's quite surreal because I think yeah. I can't promote this anymore. Wow. And uh, I always knew that it was sort of empty, but I don't, I don't want to anymore. And so I walked around the corner to a Christian bookshop and I bought the fattest Bible that I could oh. find. It was a life application study Bible. I still <laughs> see it around. Uh, amazing heaps of stuff in there to, for me to look at. And, um, and I remember I was walking back like a rooster, you know, with my new Bible. And, and I got to Mary Street, the, the offices, and I thought, oh, hang on, I have to hide this. Wow. <laughs> so I put it in my car, and then I went up to the office, and then I went back down and took it off the seat of my car and hit it under the seat of the car just in case someone looked in. And uh, so it was a real, it was such a, it was like mental contortion those first few days. And, and then on the Wednesday, I drove to this life group and I parked my car at the front. And I remember thinking, uh, it was so funny, I remember thinking to myself, are you really going to go into that house with all those Fruit Loops? And, and I actually audibly laughed to myself because mm. I was such a prolific swearer that I'd never even thought the word Fruit Loops before in my life unless, I was, yeah. unless it was about the cereal. So yeah. it would have been more colourful than the cereal, yeah, my language okay. would have been. And, um, and, and that was the moment that I realised I hadn't sworn since that Sunday night, um, not because I didn't want to, not by choice, but what I, I could not have stopped swearing prior to that Sunday. I would be around two or three-year-olds and people would correct me and I'd go, what, what happened? You know, they used to you know, they'd mouth it. What was normal? Oh, sorry, I didn't even realise. So that made me laugh just there that, that I said, "Are you going to go into this house with all these Fruit Loops?" And then, uh, then I got, and the same thought mechanism, the same voice that I had when it was, "You're going to go to the front at the end of this," was, "If you don't go in, you're dead." Whoa, that's <laughs> and, pretty um, strong. Yeah, I used to not tell people that, but I, I just thought, well, you know what? That's that's what got me in. Mm. And, I, and I, I promptly opened the door and walked into that house and, and was confronted with some real social scenarios that I was not used to. But I do know another really good thing about this life group. I don't know if it's this particular one. I only discovered this today. Didn't you meet a lady at a life group? <laughs> well, funny special you say. <laughs> yes, the lovely Leonie walked in a few months later <laughs> with uh, you know a little rip in the front of her jeans fresh up from Sydney. And I remember she was the third person to walk into the room. It was me and uh, a friend of mine, John. And uh, she walked in and, and took a seat at the couch. And I remember looking over at John and then looking back at Leonie. And, uh, yeah, we, we got married three years after that. Wow. That was awesome. Congratulations. And mm. that's not an uncommon scenario as well, is it? No. <laughs> no. It's nice. World. Nice story. Very I would have nice. thought before I got saved too that the craziest thing you could do would be to get married and have children. Oh dear! Yeah, that was my world. That was my absolute worldview. Didn't know it at the time, but but I realised afterwards that that I, I would have thought they were the craziest things that any human being could ever do. So crazy men, Jake. Time <laughs> is getting away with us. Tell us the time frame when you made a decision to actually become a pastor. How did this happen? How much later? And what was life like? What was going on? So in two thousand and six, I was a pastor on staff. So there was a four year four year process. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the first six months was really involved. God was really dealing with anxiety in my heart. So I, I just had no problem with swearing. But the biggest thing that I had to walk through was anxiety. And that was a massive, massive part of my life. The approval of man, fear of man. And God just really, it was like a crucible in my heart. That was really hard. Over those six months, we went through the process of selling the nightclub. So we were out. Then I got a job in real estate between uh, 2003 and 2006. So you've had a background in in business, obviously. Mm. You had some study at uni, more engineering, but then business with the nightclub, business Mm. with the real estate. And uh, it's interesting that that's actually a part of your uh, job now, the whole business side of things, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm really passionate about that. I was doing a double degree, so it was a business degree as Ah, well as an engineering. Yeah, so so I I, I didn't finish that degree either. Uh (laughs) And um, yeah, so so business is really close to my heart. It's, It's a joy to work with business people in the church. To, to minister to them, to try to encourage them. So what are your hopes and goals right now for the near future? So uh, really passionate about my role in the church, mm-hmm. seeing business people flourish and, and living to their fullest, uh, helping everyone who comes through certainly our church to make sure that they water baptism is a normal thing for them, that growth in God is normal so that they, they have a transformational story. And then uh, just being the dad that I never really had the opportunity to see because I can say that I learn everything about being a dad from my Heavenly Father. Mm. Mm. And your wife's name is? Leone. Leone. Well, yes. God bless you, Jake and Leone, your beautiful kids, two of them, you said? Two, Abigail and Isabel. Yeah, and it's great to have you just come on in spontaneously with yes. my old friend, Greg Newman, yeah. who I've known for years. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. It's all been right. a treat. Thank Lovely you, to meet you, Jake, and God bless you, your family, and all that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy to come in. Have a great day. Awesome. That was Karen Hunt and Greg Newman chatting with former nightclub owner Jake Smith about the remarkable journey of his life, going from believing that the party lifestyle was the path to happiness to putting his faith in Christ and finding true fulfilment. And now, as we heard, he's using his gifts and talents as a pastor. As the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We don't have to settle for a counterfeit life full of empty promises, but can have the fulfilled life that our maker designed for us to have, full of his lasting love and the peace that passes all understanding. If you'd like to pray with someone about this peace and learn more about life in Christ, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. We'd love to have a chat with you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. It basically came to a point when I discovered about two weeks after you'd actually gone. Um, in fact, the Lord spoke to me and um, really impressed on my heart. He was going to be gone for longer. And um, the first conversation that I had with him about two weeks after he'd left, it wasn't what he said, it was what he didn't say, mm. that I knew in my heart that it was like, uh-oh, we're, we're in for a long haul here. Liz Wadani and her husband, Rookie, were separated seven years before finally reconciling and remarrying. They've gone on to create a website called Twice Upon a Lifetime, and we'll find out their story next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.